Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. All right, everybody. Look, okay. So this particular show is my best friend Linda's best dream for me ever. And so expert joining us today, Luke Marklin, CEO of Bellhops, joining us today. Going to share tips on everything you know to prepare for a move. And we are preparing for a move. We are literally preparing for a move from one office to a bigger office. And this is so timely. Luke is joining us as CEO of Bellhops, America's fastest growing moving company dedicated to revolutionizing traditional low quality moving industry. Oh boy, can I relate to that through outstanding efficiency and customer care. Luke, it's great to have you here. Look, I've moved from Jersey to Seattle, so I know what that's like. Then I moved, once I got here, down to California to go to school. Now we're getting ready to move our space. And let's talk about you for a minute. What is it that you discovered in this industry where you said to yourselves, oh, my goodness, i got to do something here? Well, well, first of all, Dr. Pat, th- thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, and, and thank you for the intro. Um, the, the setup is perfect. Yes, we, we, we've been around for uh, a little over five years. We're the fastest-growing moving company in the United States. We've done hundreds of thousands of moves. Uh, why did we decide to start a business in, in this somewhat older, outdated industry? Well, it, it's a lot of the things you described. Uh, Moving could be a really fun time for people. It's usually celebrating moving into a new home, uh, but a lot of times it's very stressful, and moving companies don't really make that any better. Uh, so we saw an opportunity to create uh, a brand new workforce of people that could come in your home that you would you would enjoy and that would take care of your things and give you a lot more hospitality. And we saw a way to use technology to make the whole process more efficient and more affordable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have to do that. I mean, the timing of this interview is kind of interesting. And uh, without me mentioning any names, I think most of us have been glued to the TV with the new commercial that came out using a moving company as an example, where the moving uh, moving guy says to the family, hey, I think the move went okay. And they say, okay. And there's a half a piano in her hand. Um, and, and so, but even though that's an exaggeration, People are moving their precious things. Isn't that also important? And let's talk about the year we're in where it seems like the acceleration of people moving is going to hit a high for the first time in a bunch of years. It, it, well, it is so important. I mean, we, we have a phrase that Bellops is, you know, we're, we're moving a customer from home to home together. And nothing could be more intimate then, uh, you know, all of your worldly possessions being picked up and moved from, you know, your most sacred place, one home, to, to your new life. And if your moving company 
views it as a, a, a job, then you're going to get broken pianos. Uh, if your company views it as uh, an opportunity to serve and deliver legendary, high-quality customer service uh, and, and views it as, as a special part of your life that they get to be uh, – they get to share in some small way, then you get a different experience. And, and that's really what we're all about. Um, that's why we, we're growing so fast. Uh, we've been in Seattle for a couple months now. Seattle's going really well for us. Uh, so I think the, the service and the technology together are really uh, attractive to people in the area. So everything's going, uh, going great, and, and it's a lot, a lot of what you said. Well, and let's take, a, let's take a look at some of the things you also look at in terms of hits uh, and what people should worry about or not worry about. Thing number one, we're talking about millions of people moving, right? Uh, where's everybody going? So we, we've done a lot of moves, and after looking at all the data, believe it or not, most people are not going all that far. So 60% of our customers, more than 60%, are moving within the same county, many, many of whom are actually just moving down the block. So people are, we're actually seeing a lot of people upgrading homes, um, uh, but staying, staying pretty close to where they're currently living today. So as you look at this, look, this is your, this is in your wheelhouse. You know, this is something you do. Let's talk about some of the potholes that people step in and some of the tips you have where you said, look, this is how we can help people really get this nailed down. You know, what should people do? Let's come up with, uh, dare I say, Luke's top three. What should we do? <laughs> is that top three at the hip parade? This is Luke's Yeah, I love it. I love it. Let's do it. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like I, I need to write these on a tablet or something. Yeah. Um, so, so number one, you know, the, the moving can actually be a lot more affordable than people think. And we have a couple good ways to do that. Uh, one is to declutter. That The less stuff you have, the cheaper it will be to move, and the easier the process will go. And another great way to make moving more affordable is to uh, pick the right day. Believe it or not, most uh, moving demand comes in on Fridays and Saturdays, and that really drives the prices a lot higher in the industry. So if you can move in the middle of the week or move at the middle of the month, uh, you can actually save 20 to 30% on your move. So that's number one, make your move more affordable. Two is to, to make a checklist, right? And every move is unique. You're going to have to make your own checklist, but the key is to have one. And, and to, to stay, on, stay on task. And some of the key items on that list are obviously uh, making sure that you uh, pack, everything is labeled, make sure you have an overnight bag. Those are pretty obvious. The ones that are a little less obvious, if you're traveling long distance, don't forget to get a car tune-up because your car is going to have to make it. And if you have kids, we actually really strongly recommend you get a babysitter. So that's number two. And then number three is, I think the best way to, to make your move less stressful is to pick the right mover. And, and obviously, we, we at Bellhops think that we have a, a way to make moving go a lot smoother for people. But, um, you know, it's, it, we ask everyone to do their homework and do their research on, on who's going to make the, make their process 
go the most efficiently as possible. Well, look, we are a network, and I started this 15 years ago with one hour a week a, a show, moved up to 14, then launched a network in 010 that now houses three channels and soon to expand into eight. And one of the things we built a platform on, and maybe you don't know this, I'm going to give you the phrase, is mindfulness. So what you're talking about is move in mindfulness. And what that means to us is you have to have a sense of what you need to know before you move, what you need to know when you move, and what you need to know after you move. How many people, and I know this is a big number, how many people don't plan the details of their move and they expect movers to kind of like handle it? Uh, it happens a lot more than you would think. Yeah, no, so no. <laughs> some, some data we can, we can provide is we actually have uh, our average move uh, lead time where people book is eight days in advance. So these are we, we, we have some people planning and booking far out, but we also have some people booking last minute. Uh, and we've built a, a on-demand platform that allows for those last-minute moves, uh, which has been pretty unique. But we, so we see, we see that in our booking numbers, and we also see you know, when we show up, sometimes the elevator hasn't been reserved or the truck, the truck parking isn't secure in an apartment. So there's a lot of little details with the move, but our job is to uh, get as much information to the customers as possible, put as much of that on our shoulders as possible, um, um, but we, you know, we generally have to meet in the middle. Okay. For you, right? Checklist before you move. Uh, taking a look at resources, right, that are available. Uh, I got to ask about something. Some people pack. Some people don't pack. I'm a packer. I like to pack. But, you know, other times, uh, a lot of people say, yeah, you guys pack. Okay. We got to talk about the packing problem. And what I mean by the packing problem, every homeowner on the planet thinks they know how to pack boxes. <laughs> and, um, and I kind of laugh about that because I was one of those, right? I'm a master packer. I love to pack. And even with the best limited layperson knowledge, inevitably you get there, you open the box, and you're like, oh, my goodness, what happened to that? Let's talk about boxes, packing, labeling, and, and what should be packed and what shouldn't. So... So it is an art. That is absolutely right. An art, not a science. The, uh, every mover is, should bring all of the padding and wrapping necessary to move your furniture and uh, a lot of your delicate items uh, safely. Now, when it comes to packing, um, for a majority of Americans, uh, that is a luxury item. You know, we see uh, roughly 90% of our customers opt not to pack. Uh, and they're trying to save money, uh, which we support. And we think that that, um, you know, you got to make your budget work. When you do it, yeah, you have to understand you're right. It, it, is, it's a, it is a big ordeal, um, and it takes a lot of skill. Um, and sometimes maybe the, the cost savings isn't, isn't worth it in the long run. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think about is um, – even the, the degree by which we plan a move. So let, let's, just talk, let's just talk a little bit about this. I moved from New Jersey to Seattle, right? 
Um, and I don't even recommend this. I literally rented a truck, packed it, and drove it across in the middle of winter. And boy, I'm telling you, rule number one, don't cross the Great Divide. Don't cross the passes in the middle of the, the winter with a big truck like that. But isn't part of the move to also have a sense of how long things take? Correct. And, and, and obviously, it, the lo- local moves, you know, knowing the estimate of how long things take matter a lot more than when you're moving across country. Um, and it really is incumbent on the mover to provide you a high-quality estimate. And to, to where we began this conversation, a lot of what we see is, is movers give bad estimates uh, to, to win a job. So what we use at Bellhop is we have hundreds of thousands of move in our system that are powered by a computer algorithm to give the most precise estimate. Uh, so it's really critical that you have a lot of confidence in that estimate when you move. Okay. I know we've got a minute or so left. i got to ask you a couple questions. Look, I know we covered a lot, but people need to go find information for themselves. Tell us the best place to do that and give us a little information about what they're going to find there. Absolutely. So the, the place to go is getbellhops.com. It's our website. It has a variety of information, including an, a move day checklist, but it also has a lot of specifics um, for any individual situation. Uh, on top of that, you can get an instant quote, and you can check instant availability uh, for moves in your area. All right. Last question. Look, you've been doing this a lot. You're doing a lot of interviews. I would love to know what your personal message is. I would love to know what you'd like to leave everybody with today. I, I think my message is that moving is an incredibly special time, right? It's an opportunity to move into a new home and do, do yourself a favor and do all the things, you know, do the planning and get the right team assembled to make it as, as special and as stress-free as possible. I love it. For everybody just tuning in, Luke Marklin is the Chief Executive Officer of Bellhops. You want to go to www.getbellhops.com. Lots of information. And remember, this is one of the most stressful things that a person can do, right, Luke? Seriously stressful. That's right. So... That's right. Yeah. Just look, just just go over there and find out how to be less stressed and make this the most exciting and joyful time of your life. Luke, thank you so much for today. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Join the new earth on the Cornelia Stephanie show. Tune in each month as Cornelia takes listeners on an odyssey of higher consciousness to inspire, educate, and empower. Cornelia Stephanie is a spiritual teacher, passionate speaker, published author, and founder of the Empower Network. Cornelia guides people on the path of self-healing, peace, and liberation. For more information, go to CorneliaStephanie.com. Hi, I'm Laura Meeks, and the most common problem that my clients face is all work and no play. This is why I created Fly High Living. I help you develop a balanced life plan and guide you to a place where you love to wake up in the morning. Call 888-666-1570 or go to flyhighliving.com to sign up for the four-week Flight Plan for Life course. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. And, you know, I got to say, this is really a good news segment. I am always in awe 
of the people that step forward and really look at what's going on in our community, look at what's going on in the world, and then honor those that step up. For me, I know what it's like for our firefighters, our police, our EMTs to put their life at risk. Many of you heard me talk about my mother dying in a fire, and that was not because the responders didn't get there. But I want to say my sister did not die. And that is really what today's show is about, giving back to those first responders who serve us. Today, we are here with Jessica Egerton, Director of Brand Development, Cooper Tires, Elizabeth Fields, Director of Development, Chief Operating Officer of the Gary Sinise Foundation, both of which that are passionate, that are all in for us to understand the depth, the breadth of our first responders and what we are doing to give back. A girl from New York, I am. So when 9-11 happened, we personally did a radio show live to visit those responders, to see the treatment they were getting, and to make sure that we stop for a moment and honor those people. Jessica, Elizabeth, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having us. Okay, Thank want, you. It's a pleasure. Uh, thank you both. Listen, I want to get underneath this for a minute before we talk about who our first responders are. I don't believe that we take enough time to stop and acknowledge who these folks are. Now, honestly, if you're me and you went to school in California, you know the fire, uh, fires that happened there, there's so many instances where lives are safe. Uh, Jessica, starting with you and then Elizabeth, how has this become for each of you, uh, not just a personal, personal commitment, but an absolute need to get the message out? Jessica, for you, and then Elizabeth, for you. Yeah, I'm so glad that you asked that question. Um, you know, this uh, week is National Public Service Recognition Week. It started in 1985, and it's a week dedicated to honoring public servants, including first responders. So, you know, it's very timely that we're having this conversation. And and for Cooper, um, working with a partner like the Gary Sinise Foundation, we're so honored to be working with them and, and recognizing what they do for our veterans, for our first responders. You know, for us, there was really a common interest uh, in, in this and, and in honoring those that we rely on, in this case, first responders, because they're counted on no matter the conditions or the emergency. They have to rely on their vehicles to get to where they need to go. They have to rely on their vehicles to get to those in need. Um, and at Cooper, we really recognize that the four tires on your car or your truck are the only things to come into contact with the road. So they're a critical part of allowing um, your listeners and first responders to get to where they need to be. So when we talk about the importance of what first responders do and the timeliness of this, it was it was really um, an opportunity uh, for us to come back and give back a little bit and provide this critical equipment, in this case, tires. Mm. Uh, and let's mention, if we could, I can't say this enough, many people don't really know and I want them to know this, of course, don't really know of Gary Sinise's commitment and dedication, and which has been uh, for a really long time through the Gary Sinise Foundation or now the partnership with Cooper Tire. But most importantly, this is a moment that goes far beyond a, a thank you. It's a moment that requires also a call to action, right? Um, let's talk about that. Elizabeth, you want to take that up for a minute? Oh, of course. Um, you know, Gary Sinise and the Gary Sinise Foundation, this is a, a year-round cause for us in order to support our nation's defenders, veterans, and first responders. And uh, we're nationwide, and um, the dedication that Gary specifically uh, has shown uh, this community in, in 
you know, just trying to teach the public and, and our communities to understand the impact that these individuals have had uh, to, to our daily lives. And when we're able to have a, a Cooper Tire partner uh, to provide some needed equipment for our volunteer stations to make sure that what they've signed up to serve, it gets delivered. And, um, you know, not only is this a thank you to our veterans and first responders, but it's a way to show our appreciation and uh, our appreciation. Yeah. And, and for many people that don't know, I just want to mention this and then we can uh, get back to what we're talking about. You know, both, you know, uh, Cooper Tires and, 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 and uh, you know, Gary Sinise, especially really coming together to make sure that what we're doing here today is we're really looking at what we can do as Americans to strengthen the bond that we have to these first responders. I want to ask you, Jessica, first of all, um, um, uh, what is it about this conversation that gets your organization absolutely engaged? And what is it that you all are calling to action for the rest of us? Well, you know, we've been supporters of the first responder community in the past and, and supporters of veterans. And while our effort with the Gary Sinise Foundation is new, um, we certainly remain committed to supporting first responders in the future as well. And, you know, the, the call to action here is, you know, tires on first responder vehicles really need to be durable yep. and reliable and safe, just yep. like the tires for your own vehicle. And so... They experience a lot of wear and tear, and while the conditions that first responders might face can be really extreme, our call to action, not just in getting involved and recognizing um, the first responders for National Public Service Recognition Week, but we also want to encourage people to check their tires monthly. Tires are so important. They're the only four things that connect your car to the road. Safety is critical. You could do it so easily while you're at the gas pump, getting a tank of gas every month, quick check, look at your tread depth, check your tire pressure, you know, check the overall condition because they're so critical in your safety. You know, I, I can't say enough about this because first of all, I live in a place where uh, it rains quite a bit. And the notion of getting on the road without doing what you just said is absolutely crazy, crazy. Uh, but we're not alone in this. And, you know, for me, I, I come from a, a, an uncle who was a race car driver. And I'll tell you, I learned about tires firsthand from him. But more importantly, we're looking at what it is we can do. Uh, what can everyday drivers learn from this relationship? And more importantly, how do people get involved in the foundation? Because I think m when we're thinking about this, we have to do something. We have to be able to set a strong infrastructure for our first responders. Or our first responders, by the way, they're not going to be first. They're just not going to be first, right? Yeah, I'll defer to Elizabeth on, on this one. But, you know, what, what you mentioned is, you know, we want you to know how important tires are to your safety. Um, and, and that's really um, this, this ability to honor first responders and getting the word out and having this be top of mind for everyone and the ability to give back um, is really critical for Cooper. Yeah, thank you. Elizabeth, for you. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, um, 
You know what? For the Gary Sinise Foundation, uh, first responders and veterans are first. It's our everyday mission across the nation to make sure that we're serving these communities and these individuals for what they've done for us. And thank you so much for the recognition that you're 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 pointing out uh, to these um, these uh, defenders of, of ours. Um, you know, in our foundation, we have four different programs. Um, they're called Rise Community Outreach Education relief and resiliency, and of course, our first responder outreach program. We have 12 initiatives within those programs. We do a little bit of a lot, and the best way to get involved, to donate, to learn more would be to visit GarySiniseFoundation.org. Yeah, and by the way, um, you know, uh, uh, Jessica, would you mind giving out your website? Because I want to make sure that, you know, folks have more than just a short 12-minute interview, that they have some information so they could take action on their behalf as well. Thank you, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's uh, coopertire.com. Yeah. I want to go back for a little bit and, you know, uh, back to you, Jessica, because you said a couple of things that I believe are very, very important. Um, one of the things you talked about, and certainly the commitment of Cooper Tire, is beyond uh, just go to the website. It really is a commitment to educate. And I don't think we could say enough about this. The other thing I want to say for folks is we're not just talking about automobiles, right? I come from a Harley Davidson uh, BSA uh uh, 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 motorcycle building it and riding it family. And nobody knows better than me and, and those of us that have had motorcycles, have motorcycles and take a spill. But, but let's talk a little bit about where the education must be from first, you, Jessica, and then you, Elizabeth. Where do we most need to focus on what we need to share to educate folks listening because we have the best listening audience in the world. I'm just telling you, I've been doing this 15 years. They're out. They're the best. And if you ask them to help and support, they will. So I'd love to hear from you, Jessica first and Elizabeth, where can we most plug in and help and get educated? Well, I'm, that's such an interesting question. You know, at, at Cooper, as you've heard me talk about, we really want people to understand uh, tire safety. And in fact, we actually have a program called Tread Wisely that is aimed at young teen drivers and educating them. There's an app for it. There's lots of different activities. You can find out more about that and how to get involved at treadwisely.org. But we really believe that education is for everyone, uh, whether you've been driving for a long time or new drivers. You know, you mentioned that you um, became involved in this from a very young age from your family. We believe that educating when you start driving and even before is really, really important because you start those good safety habits early. Yep. 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 As a matter of fact, I'll just, uh, just a little sidebar. I know we've got to go in a minute or two. Uh, one of the things we did growing up is my dad and, you know, taught us girls and there were girls until my brother came, you know, what does it mean to drive on a ball tire? And if you've ever done that, please don't try it on your own. Please do it unsupervised. Unsuper but what that's like to do that and why it's important to check every aspect of that. And what we found as young kids, young girls, uh, was the devastation of even a moderately and I'll say ball tire, will take you off the road. So this is not something that I take lightly, Jessica, just so you know. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Yes, we certainly wouldn't recommend trying to do no. that. And uh... <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Go. You can. My dad was that kind of guy. Elizabeth, how about you? <laughs> I would say the you know most important thing you can do is go up to a, a veteran, go up to a first responder, even yeah. go up to a family that you know is is also serving with these individuals, and not only thank them, but let them know that we'll never forget their service. And um, you know we would love um, your listeners to get involved and to donate with our foundation. We're nationwide, and they can host a peer-to-peer fundraiser. Um, they can attend a home dedication. There's just so many ways to get involved, so many ways to give back. And I, I got to plug the website again at GarySiniceFoundation.org to learn more. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think my producer has been trying to get Gary to do an interview uh, over his <laughs> book. So, yeah, it, it, I'm putting a little plug. Yeah, selfless. A little plug? little selfless plug. Get us, get, I'll, get I'll, us Gary. I'll let, I'll let Gary know. <laughs> I know. Uh, listen, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do him and his work justice. I want to thank you both for joining me here today. And I know this is a long day for you. Please keep on keeping on, okay? Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, this is very, very important. Uh, you know, look, if you're going to walk out there today, stop before you get in your car and take a look at your tires. Are you comfortable with them? Are you feeling safe? Are you willing to put your children in that car? And if you cannot answer yes, 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 then please go do something about it and, and, and do something else. Stop and thank a first responder. You don't need a good reason. Just stop, walk up to them, say something, thank them. That's what it's about. We'll be right back. Do you want the knowledge and wisdom to understand where spirituality, science, and psychology intersect? Then join the Karmic Path Radio Show with Tina and Laura on TransformationTalkRadio.com, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific. Follow this charmingly, disarmingly dynamic duo as they explore how psychic ability, spirituality, and karmic law tie together. For more information on Tina, Laura, and their groundbreaking work, visit TheKarmicPath.com. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific Time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living, LLC. For more information about Karen, visit KarenBenton.com. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. I'm so honored to be doing this segment with Dr. Patricia Dorn, um, Director, Rehabilitation Research and Development, Department of Veterans Affairs. Now, look, we have done a series of shows over the duration of the Dr. Pat show. And one of the things we learned, including interviewing directors of the VA, uh, Congress people along the way. And one of the things we know right now is there is a way to bridge the gap for veterans. VA medical centers nationwide celebrate veterans and their participation in, I love my favorite words, wait for it, cutting edge research. Joining me here today, Patricia Dorn, Dr. Patricia Dorn, is going to share what Research Week is and how is research accelerating bridging the gap. Uh, Welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thank you very much. Look, um, uh, I know uh, as, a, as a researcher myself, I also know the value of it. But you all are doing something more than research. And one of the things I want to ask you about is part of bridging the gap 
is not just looking at cutting edge research, but then taking that cutting edge research and providing a call to action for it. Tell us about VA Research Week, why this is important. And then also, how do we go from research to action? Great. So, yes, so the Research Week is happening May 13th through 17th throughout the our integrated healthcare system. Over 60 VAs are going to be having uh, events that welcome the veteran, their family, the community to come in and meet investigators, hear about the research, demonstrations, perhaps meet some of the veteran participants in the research, some of the administrators, and uh, get a, a more of a bird's eye first person view of what's happening. Okay. Now, look, I can talk about you. You have a lifelong interest in serving people with disabilities. Um, and you and I sort of have a very interesting similar childhood of what happens when we volunteer, what happens when we are in front of somebody that perhaps uh, is not exactly like we are, but doesn't mean that they're any less. So you are clearly embedded from a professional and a personal perspective. I want to ask you this question. For you, how do you see this unfolding? Given your early, early lifelong interest, how do we remove the obstacles that we need to remove in the public arena so that we can get the kind of medical advances and innovations to our vets that they need. Uh, well, thank you. So, it, it, yes, I, and I will say that those who work in VA, serve, we serve veterans. That's what, what we do. And it becomes a very personal matter for us, uh, be it a family member. We have many veterans working in VA uh, so that who serve the country. And so it, it, uh, the mission is, it's there. It's deep. It's personal and it's very fulfilling. And the idea of, of veterans, uh, individuals who, as you said, may not look or, or talk or walk exactly like we do, and to really uh, celebrate that diversity, but also to bring advancements so that the veteran who has a health care condition, a disability, can become as fully functional as possible as independent as possible to return to family, to work, to community, to the things that they, they want to do for the, the rest of their lives after um, having served the country as military personnel. And so it's um, that kind of a, a, a scope, I think, that, that people that we take, people take in the, in the VA when we are, are here to serve, um, serve the veterans and improve their, their lives. And it, it's really the idea that research does make a difference. Research does provide advancements, uh, answers, new interventions, new devices that the veteran and then the country benefits from too. And we're, we're happy for that. And then moving it into practice, into guidelines, into the system, which is part of the beauty of this integrated healthcare system that uh, serves nationally. Uh, let's take a look at uh, exactly when we say research, uh, and, and I want to make sure that also uh, you let folks know how they can find out more. But let's take a look at the types of research that's being done, uh, because I think that once we sort of uncover this for the people listening, they're going to be able to understand that the research you're doing also transcends, moves beyond 
uh, the, the VA community and really is innovative for the public as well. Tell us about the types of research and how we can find out more. Sure. So there is a website that listeners can go to. It's www.research.va.gov. And there you can learn about the research, learn about Research Week and where the activities are happening, as well as going to the local VA websites and learning what's happening specifically in the local area. So that's one place to to go to uh, for the veteran to learn about research and perhaps choose to participate in it. Uh, Their local VA, when they go in for care, for visits, there will be um, posters up about research studies that are happening right there, talking to their care provider, their case manager, that they have an interest in participating in research and uh, helping them to um, find studies that may be appropriate for them to participate in. Um, I want to go back a little bit in time. Um, There have been accomplishments in VA research that I don't believe the public knows about. Can we just go back a little bit in time and talk about what some of the accomplishments and innovations have been from from this, from this body of work, from also this arm uh, of support for our VAs? Certainly. So this, uh, as you indicated, is is maybe maybe um, a, a good. This will be a good surprise to yeah. for the public to to hear that we were involved in the first successful liver transplant that really opened that uh, that kind of uh, care and option, making that real clear connection between smoking and development of disease, as well as development of the nicotine patch, as well as understanding early treatment and how to control high blood pressure, the invention of that implantable cardiac pacemaker. Uh, These are um, discoveries, activities, interventions that I'm imagining are going to resonate with a lot of people listening. Well, and then, you know, part of some of the other things that I know I'm, I'm familiar with, too, is some of the groundbreaking work that you did in treating cardiac arrhythmias. Uh, and, and I think that's important. But even more important is, you know, we know, know that the, uh, you know, our, our, our veterans are really subject to a whole range of things, including stroke. And, you know, you also are responsible for best practices in that. So there's much that folks can find out at www.research.va.gov. Look, I know we've got a few minutes left. I want to ask you about what you're most excited about. I'm sure you're doing research that you can't talk about, but I'd really like to get a sneak peek on the future, the vision, what some of the things are that you're looking into now, what excites you most about something we may hear about in a year or 18 months? Sure. So first of all, none of the work we do is, it's, is secret. It's all posted on NIH wow. reporters. It can be looked up with a, an agency search with VA. I know it's, it's a little spidery, but you can get to all, we post all the research we do. None of it is uh, behind doors. It's all, all can be known. And some of the things that we're working on, particularly in, in my, the service that I'm in, Rehab Research, has to do with 
brain-computer interface. So that's an implantable cortical device where intentional a person's thought to move a computer um, a, a cursor to move a robotic arm because they can't do that themselves. They have no use of their body, like in ALS or a sp- high spinal cord injury. We're making early advancements in that uh, with uh, success, and that's still in the lab space, but that will move forward, uh, as well as uh, prosthetic arms, so prosthetic limbs where they're very functional to do tasks and have uh, and have the, the use of an arm back if you lost it through uh, limb loss, but now adding sensation to touch because right now people, it's functional, but you, you can't, it's not the natural feel, that those of us who have our natural um, arms and hands, so be able to actually hold someone's hand, a loved one's hand, and feel it to pick up an object and really feel it, to pick up a child or grandchild and actually get the sensation back takes a person to another level of function and completeness, if you will. Well, and, you know, one of the things I like, and I I know we've got like two minutes left, what I love about what you all do is you're absolutely partnering with other organizations. And you're talking about, you know, uh, VA employees, you know, participating in the research, the VA's uh, research's Million Veteran Program. I mean, there's just so much that has come in the past. But most importantly, what I love about this is that you have your eye on the future. Last question. What do you believe, as you look ahead, what do you believe is your greatest challenge that you need the public's help with? Help with. I'm going to say it quickly. One is that the public understands there is an active VA research program specifically for veteran-centric care that then feeds into the nation. And then the the uh, the need of that we all face in moving the discoveries forward, translating the discoveries into practice, and then the nation picking it up. Wow. Thank you so very much. Please give out the website. And one last question. What's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with today? Uh, that those of us who who work in VA, we we uh, serve veterans. That is very much the driving force for us. It's in our mission statement, and it's well beyond the words. Um, we feel it in our hearts. Wow! Thank you so very much. Thank you for all that you do. Again, provide the website for folks if you don't mind. It is www.research.va.gov. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Patricia Dorn, everybody. I'm Dr. Pat. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Learn and explore fascinating and practical uses of essential oils, how to use them, and how they can enhance your everyday life. The Oil Lounge was founded by three remarkable women with fascinating stories about how essential oils changed their lives. Tina and Laura from The Karmic Path have joined forces to educate the masses in the benefits of Young Living Essential Oils. For more information, visit theoillounge.com. Are you feeling stuck in unhealthy habits, toxic relationships, or low self-esteem? Do you crave a healthy relationship filled with inspiration? You might just be on the verge, on the verge of attracting your soulmate. Tune in each month to The Laura Richer Show, where dating coach Laura Richer share tools for using your dating breakdown for a relationship breakthrough. For more information, visit richerhealinghypnosis.com. Hey, everybody. You have heard me talk about the fact that one of the things I do, one of the first things I do when I get up, I turn on what? Yeah, the weather. 
And what do I do with that? And what channel do I turn on for that? Well, there's really, in my opinion, there's one place for me to go. But even with that, it doesn't help me. It doesn't help me prepare. So my mom went through Hurricane Andrew. And today's show is for everybody listening to get ready, to get prepared, even if you don't think you have to. Preparing for the 2019 hurricane season, tips and technologies to help save lives in the face of natural disaster. So joining me here today is Dr. Michael Ventris, meteorological scientist, software engineer, the weather company, and IBM, oh my goodness, business, and Daniel Crook, chief technology officer for Call for Code. Today, we are really cranking it up a bit because now with technology, we can help each other. Uh, Both Dr. Michael and, and Daniel are committed They understand what this is about. Their lives are engaged in responding and being part of the solution. And how do we reduce the amount of victims, devastation? Uh, How do we help people get ready to go? Welcome to both of you. Thanks for joining me here today. Thanks for having us, Dr. Pat. I want to start off by I started the day this morning and last night with a weather blast. I call them weather blast that came about what's going on in Iceland. So let's just start with the fact that the hurricane season of 30 years ago is not the hurricane season of today. Is that a true statement, doctor? Yeah, yes, that's a, that that is a true statement. We uh we often see these cycles in activity over the Atlantic Basin, uh, where some maybe 20, 30 years, we get more activity than others. And we are definitely, we've just seen an, a fairly active uh, period, and that continues for the next uh, X amount of years. Yeah. And so let's talk about this for a minute. You know, both of you are here today for a reason. What I want to hear from each of you before we get into the nitty gritty about this is that we're talking about the weather company and IBM working together to prepare. And I want to hear from each of you. How has this initiative personally touched you? Meaning, you know, where is the personal commitment for each of you? Where does that lie? And what is your greatest vision for this partnership? And why don't I, let's jump over to Daniel. Let's start with you, Daniel. Sure. Yeah. So I I lead up our Call for Code initiative, which is uh, draws upon the skills of developers around the world to create solutions that reduce the loss of life from natural disasters. So for me, that's personal. Well, I, I think that anybody around the world, they have been touched by a natural disaster in some way, uh, regardless of what it is, uh, whether where I grew up in Connecticut, it was Hurricane Sandy, where we didn't have power for, for weeks, um, where there was a lot of damage and, and a lot of time to get back to normal. Um, but natural disasters affect everybody. It's, 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 it's around the world, no matter uh, what your background is, it's going to affect you. So we realize there's a lot of commonalities too in those natural disasters. And if a solution is built for one, perhaps for one on uh, the East Coast, the West Coast, uh, it's something that can be applied around the world. So that's my interest is helping save lives through IBM technology um, and seeing some of the creative ideas that come out to bring new solutions to the table. Wow. I I mean, for people like me that have had family, my mother experienced Andrew when she did. I saw that devastation up close and personal. I don't think I ever want to see anything like that again in my life. 
Dr. Ventries, also for you, what is it about, you know, because you're knee deep involved in this 24-7, right? You see Mm -hmm. things that most of us barely see. You know, where are you coming from, from this personal motivation uh, and partnership? And what is your vision? Sure. So if you ask this, ask a meteorologist why they became a meteorologist, there's always one specific weather event that comes to mind. Um, So for me, it it was Hurricane Bob in 1991. I grew up on Long Island, New York. And to see the power of that that, that storm, which was only a category one, mind you, at that time, um, and how it impacted our lives uh, during that time, it, it really drove me to, to study meteorology and not just study it, but become an expert in it, right? My, my PhD is in tropical meteorology, and it was focused on the long-range prediction of, these, of, of, of hurricane activity over the Atlantic Basin, being able to identify periods in time where we could give a two- to four-week prediction of when the Atlantic might wake up or when the Atlantic might you know, turn off and, and become quiet because there's those week-to-week variability in these storms. Um, so my vision now that, you know, with the, the resources of the weather company combined with IBM is to be able to predict these storms in, in a way that gives us enough lead time to mitigate some of the devastating impacts that these storms can hit. And then not just hurricanes, but all weather impacts. Um, and, and, and to be able to really kind of fine tune on which locations might see the worst um, conditions and, and, and deliver actionable decision, decisions um, that, that, you know, from our services to, to folks who are in the path of some sort of mm-hmm. natural disaster. Yeah. I, I want to tell everybody the website uh, that folks should go to is callforcode.org. Callforcode.org. And when you get to that website, what you're going to find is more detail than we can talk about in a 12-minute interview. But you are looking for, when you go here, call for code, 100,000 developers from 156 nations competed in the call for code. Let's talk about what the call for code is, and let's talk about how it encompasses a solution, especially around, and I'm going to say another, another key project out. I, I want to talk about these because I, I know I've got a few minutes left, but I want to get people to the solution that you all put together. Uh, who would like to go first? Daniel, you want to take a shot at going first? Yes, I can cover that. Thank you. So Call for Code is a multi-year competition. Uh, what we want to do is draw on the skills, increasingly valuable skills of developers who can use technology and help us save lives by preparing communities, helping them respond, um, and helping them recover from natural disasters. So Call for Code is a competition. Uh, last year's win- winner, Project OWL, they won $200,000 um, and support from IBM through the Code and Response Initiative to take their solution, the idea they created last year, and put that on the ground in Puerto Rico as a way to restore network communications quickly after a storm like Maria. So it's a system not only for, uh, if you're motivated by money, a cash prize, but taking that idea, taking your insight, um, perhaps your hurricane experience here in the Northeast, and applying that elsewhere in the world. So we, we deployed with Project OWL. Uh, you can see the mini documentary there at callforcode.org. Um, and we met with public and private partners down there, uh, the government of Puerto Rico, small companies, large companies, individuals who are part of the response uh, to Hurricane uh, Maria, and tested in five locations how Project Al can deploy their solution, which 
just increases network com communications from 0% to 1% so people can express their needs over a, a, a quickly deployed network. And therefore, first responders, they can also res uh, prioritize their response to those areas in most need. So Project Owl was last year's winner. Uh, you can check out the documentary there. And uh, this year's competition, you'll see the details. Uh, the competition deadline is July 29th. So we hope to find the next new Project Owl uh, and hope you're inspired by what Project Owl built. Mm, I, 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 please go there. The other thing you're going to find is, like many of us have known, you're going to see the kind of support, especially when you go to Call for Code. You're going to take a look, and you're going to see that, you know, every year, uh, folks, these folks are adding on various celebrity people that come to the table that want to be part of this, that want to support it. And that is very, very important to us. It's important to make sure that we're not just, you know, we're not just out there talking to hear ourselves talk that we understand that there's a real issue. I want to ask you both uh, this. I know I've got a few minutes left, but I want to ask you this question. Um, given this initiative, given this partnership, let's talk about how, how this will save lives. Uh, Dr. Ventries, would you like to go first? Sure. I, I think that the marriage between the weather company and, and, and resources with IBM it's really going to be beneficial because us at the weather company are striving to be, give us the, or to provide the most accurate forecasts um, and, and decision, decision services um, available around the, around the world. And, and our goal is to be as essential as possible and taking in now the IBM resources and the infrastructure um, to, to make such a massive scale events happen like call for code it really allows the, the developers to work with the best possible data uh, to make their best possible solution. Daniel, how about you? I mean, you're looking at this, I think, as well from not just what's up in front of us today, but you're looking at this, you know, from a technological point of view, you're looking at this from a short term and a long term, because, you know, we're seeing so much with technology as being able to everything from awareness, alertness, uh, to artificial intelligence. So, you know, what do you see for what you're developing and the future of this technology to save lives? Right. So, so that's a very important point. What we're doing differently with Call for Code is not just throwing technology at a problem and hoping that it makes a difference. What Call for Code does, like you mentioned, it engages experts, celebrities, the American Red Cross, the United Nations, IBM, and countless other organizations to bring their expertise to help developers understand what the real problems are so that they can prioritize where they bring technology and where it can have an effective response to those real problems. So this is what's most inspiring about it. And I think that's the, the greatest impact that Call for Code and the winners of the competition can have is understanding from this ecosystem that we put together, hey, these are the problems that really need a solution now. They need one maybe even before hurricane season starts. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to build that solution. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because that means we're all batting a thousand, doesn't it? <laughs> I hope so, yes. <laughs> well, thank you both. I know you got to run. I want to tell everybody www.callforcode.org. Listen, we live in the technological hotbed here in the Pacific Northwest. Tell your friends out there, get involved. We have some great minds here. Let's make this happen. We're going to take a short break, everyone. Thank you both for joining me here today. Thanks, Dr. Pat. All right, everybody, we'll be right back. Stay tuned.